Well, let us turn to uh, God's Word this evening, and we are turning uh, to John chapter 11, and we're going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 47. We're not going to look at every detail in this passage because it's such a rich passage, of course, dealing with the uh, Lazarus, uh, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, but we want to look at um, a couple of the wonderful messages that we find uh, in this passage of Scripture. Before we read, let's pray. Our wonderful Father in heaven, we thank you that we've been able to sing praises to you and bring our needs before you. And now uh, we come before you to ask you for the grace of illumination. The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. But you have granted to your church the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the endowment of power, that we might understand what you have given to us in Jesus Christ as revealed in Holy Scripture. And so we pray that you would illumine our hearts as we read the Bible together, and may you take us to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would remember that he is our comfort and our joy, so that we might live for him this coming week and face whatever you bring into our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there, uh, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. 
So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he... Who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said those, these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The grass of the field withers and the flower fades, but this the word of our God abides forever. Praise his holy name. Well, my dear friends, uh, this text that we read together uh, this evening is a wonderful text, very familiar to many of us, I am sure. This text is like a bright, warm dawn after a dark, cold night. When we read this passage, this passage gives to us comfort. 
And the reason why this passage gives us comfort is that we learn here that our Lord Jesus is wise and he does what is best for us. You see, this whole account is a Romans 8.28 event. Do you remember what the Bible says? That all things work together for good to those that love God, (coughs) to those who are the called according to his purpose. Well, by the end of this dramatic event, Jesus' followers here have a greater joy. They have a stronger faith. All things work together for good to those that love God. And it worked together for good for Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Christ's disciples. And so this passage gives us comfort. But this wonderful passage also gives us joy. Because here we learn that Christ is the resurrection and the life. Who overcomes what we cannot overcome. Namely sin and death. You see our world is fallen. We were born all together in sin. Sin is here, but from, account, from an account like this, we learn that sin abounds. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. For Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So this evening, as we look at this wonderful passage, we're going to look at the comfort that it gives and the joy that it imparts to our minds and to our hearts. We begin with comfort. This passage gives us comfort, as I said a few moments ago, because here we learn that our Lord is wise and he does what is best for us. And we know this from what takes place in this passage. We learn here that life is very hard. Life is very hard for this reason. First of all, because there is disease and death in our world. Lazarus was deathly sick. His sisters Martha and Mary would feel the pain of death before Jesus would arrive. And so as we all know, that being a Christian does not mean that we will always be healthy or that we will always be well off or that we will always be free from trouble, that we'll never experience hardships and pain. Oh no, even of late over the past Six months, we have experienced that life is on a thin thread physically. We recognize that disease can strike any time. We know more about coronavirus now than we did four months ago. And when it came upon us four months ago, all of us were wondering what's going to happen at first. And now we're more familiar with it. And so we know what to expect in a more or less uh, greater way. However, nevertheless, we recognize That disease like the plague, disease like coronavirus, disease like cancer can hit us at any time. Life is on a thin thread physically. We've also learned that life is on a thin thread socially with all the social upheaval that we are facing. Not only in our society, not only in our our city, but also we know in the church. We also recognize that life is on a thin thread economically. And life is on a thin thread governmentally. Yes, disease, death can come into our lives. Trouble can come. Life is very hard at times. Life was hard for Mary and Martha because of their brother's illness. Well, what do they do? 
They send for the only one whom they know can help, the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in chapter 11 and verse 3, so the sisters sent to him, to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So they send for Christ. Ah, but the Lord Jesus Christ delays his coming. It says in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he had heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So life is hard, not only because of disease and death and trouble in our lives due to sin, but life is also hard because we often are confused about what God is doing. We don't understand his will at times. I mean, Mary and Martha wondered why he had waited those two days. In verse 21 and in verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. And think of Jesus' disciples. They were also confused and also afraid because they didn't think that Jesus should go back to Judea. You see, just a little while before this, Jesus had been in Judea. And the people of Jerusalem, particularly, and the people of that surrounding area, had wanted to kill him, and they attacked him, and they maligned him. And so Jesus' disciples said this in verse 8, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Well, Jesus answers their confusion in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What Jesus is saying in these verses is this, in effect. As a man can safely work in the time period of light in the day, so I and you, my disciples, can safely work until my time of death is at hand. In other words, Jesus wasn't confused. Jesus wasn't afraid to go back to Judea, back to that area. Jesus was ready to serve the Lord. He knew that he could trust God for his time. But the disciples were afraid. The disciples were muddled. They didn't understand this whole situation as you read in verses 11 through 12 about Lazarus' illness, Lazarus' death. Is he asleep? Jesus, don't go back to Judea. They're just about, they might kill you again. And so life is hard. We can be brought uh, to great pain. We can be caught in grief and fear. We can be perplexed about God's ways. I mean, some of you, I'm sure, have been disappointed in your family. Grief. Some of you have been disappointed in yourself, in your own Christian walk, and it brings you grief. Some of you, uh, looking at the providence of God, things have not worked out the way that you thought that they would have worked out, and it brings you grief and sorrow and anger at times. Perhaps some of you this, uh, this evening have lost your health or you're losing your health and you're feeling your age and it's not 
um, something to laugh about for you, it's, it's grief. And some of you, all of us, you're struggling with your besetting sin. Maybe lying or pornography or, or, or just coveting. It's always there and you hate your sin. You love Jesus Christ, but you hate this besetting sin and it brings you grief. And then there are those times where we are also perplexed over all of this. We've prayed for so long, over and over again in our family, uh, about our health, about this besetting sin, about our struggles, and we just pray and pray and pray, and we don't understand why God is waiting so long. And then, perhaps some of you are perplexed as to why, why do I have to work through all this with all of my illness with my lack of finances, why is my life like this? Why have you brought me these providences, O God? Nevertheless, though we have this grief, though we have this perplexity sometimes, Jesus does what is best for his his people, for he loves his people, my friends, and that is very comforting for us tonight. You see, Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters, as we learn in verse 5. And Jesus loved his disciples. And in his love, he does exactly what is best for them. And we see that here. How? Well, this way. After Jesus heard the news of the illness, he delayed going to Lazarus for two days, as we read in verse 6. And there was a reason for his delay. Notice verse 14. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, you disciples, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And then notice verse 42, where Jesus says, I I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Notice in verse 42 when he says this amazing, these amazing words, I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, Jesus our Lord brought Mary and Martha and the people through trials, through this point of despair, to this point of grief, and then he brought them himself. He said those things, he brought himself to them that they may believe that God sent him. You see, through this method, Jesus brought to Mary and Martha, and to the disciples, greater happiness and stronger faith that they would believe and continue to believe that God had sent Jesus. And Jesus says the same thing in verse 15 about his disciples particularly. He says there in verse 15 that he was glad that he had not been there with Lazarus. Hard as that had been for Mary and Martha to go through the death, and fearful as it was for the twelve to return to Jerusalem, for only in that way could he show his power to them and gain for them a stronger faith 
than they otherwise would have had. For your sakes, Jesus says, I was glad, I was, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. You know, the struggles that Riverside Church has experienced over the years, the separations that you personally have experienced due to the grief of sin or due to death, the, the, the confusions that you yourself have experienced through, through this uh, coronavirus pandemic, these things have all been hard. But the Lord has been and is wise with us, his children. He has kept us and is keeping us in his hands. And our faith is stronger now today than it was a week ago, four months ago, five years ago, etc. You see, we sometimes wrongly think that the Lord is asleep, that the Lord is slow in his work. That if the Lord would follow our timetable and come when I ask him to come, that then everything would turn out right. No. The Lord knows what is best for us. Brothers and sisters, our Lord handles every trial in this remarkable way. This way. God, in a day or two, a year or two, or in 30 years, turns trials of faith into blessing for our good and his glory. It is our privilege, dear brother and sister, to know that if sorrow lasts through the night, joy will definitely come in the morning. And in the morning, the Christian finds that he has stronger faith and a stronger love in and for Jesus Christ. Let us remember, think of it, the joy of having faith in our Savior, the second person of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we have faith in him, we are justified. We are made right with God. Our sins are completely forgiven and we are robed in white and holiness, the holiness of Christ before our holy heavenly Father, just as if we had never sinned. The faith that God gives to us by his Holy Spirit unites us to Christ and then we receive his justification imputed to our account. And think of it, to be right with God also brings with it peace with God through faith in Christ, we have peace with God. We're no longer at enmity with God. And God is no longer righteously angry with us, condemning us to eternal hell. No, God loves us. He is our Father. God has made peace with us through the blood of the cross. And when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we are united to God and we have peace with God. And think of this. When we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have hope of the glory of God. That, that we know that one day to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That for all eternity, due to our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ's amazing work for us, we will enjoy the beatific vision and see the beauty of God and have our resurrection body and be perfectly delivered from even the very presence of sin and we will have the glory of God and live in the glory of God together with one another forever and ever. 
And think of it also, even now, when we have faith in Christ, we have fellowship with God. We have communion with God. We can glorify God in every situation, even as this situation glorified God, as it says in verse four. This illness does not lead to death, for it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we have that communion with him, knowing that our whole life is for the glory of God. Oh yes, Jesus does what is best for his people. He loves us so much that he wants us to grow in our faith in him. Because he knows as we grow in our faith in him, we will be perfectly satisfied, full of joy, full of the endowment of power in the Holy Spirit. As we grow and learn to trust in our Savior, leaving all our lives to Him, we know that we can be at peace and rest because He is in control of our lives. And this brings us comfort. Comfort. How God works and when God works is for God's glory and our good. He does what he does in our lives so that we might believe in him. And that brings us comfort. But of course, there's more in this passage. There's also joy. And how do we see the joy that comes out of this account This way that we learn here that Jesus Christ is the very victory of God. Today in this text, it is our privilege to hear of Christ's power and glory in the face of that which none of us can overcome, sin and death. I mean, we see so much sin around us that we often think that sin is winning. That we often think that sin is this huge juggernaut And that the light of Jesus Christ is this this small little flashlight. We we often think as we look at the world that, you know, the, the, the majority is winning. And the majority is evil and the sin and darkness and the devil. I mean, think of the many tentacles of trouble around us today. The media frenzy around COVID-19. The deaths that have come due to COVID-19 the increased depression and suicide in our nation over the past few months, the fear as well, and then the anger and the irritation of people. And then we think of the statism where people around us are are falling before the government, treating the government as big brother, as God, as you've got to come and rescue us. And then we think of the recent social unrest, the police violence, the attacks against the police, the attacks against our own Canadian history, and the racism and the other isms that are affecting our own country. All of these things has shown us that there is sin and death in this world. It shows us the reality of the scriptures which states that man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. But Sin did and does not have the final say. For where sin abounds, the grace of God much more abounds is what God has declared. 
And so God sent his son into the world who is life eternal to be the victory, yes, our victory over sin and death itself. God becoming man so that God could be our victory. And of course, this victory of God is Jesus, who is the very resurrection and the life as we read, particularly in verses 23 through 25. Now notice in verse 23, it says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So here, Jesus gives Martha comfort in the face of death. He is the victory, and therefore he's able to say this victorious word. But Martha, in response to this victorious word, thinks that Jesus is referring to the end-time resurrection. Now, the end-time resurrection is a glorious resurrection. If Jesus comes back tomorrow or comes back next week, or if we see him in clouds of glory with the trumpet sounding a month from now, then we who are alive will uh, come up, uh, we will connect with our resurrection bodies, and so will we ever be with the Lord forever. And then the end will come, and the great resurrection day will occur, and all the damned will receive their resurrection body, and all the righteous will receive their resurrection body, and those on God's left hand will be cast into everlasting fire, and those on God's right hand will come into his presence forevermore with their resurrection bodies. Oh, it's a glorious thing when we think of this glorious end-time resurrection. Yes, we know with Mary that in the resurrection at the last day, all of us will receive our resurrection bodies. However, we know as we read the story that Mary misses the words of Christ. She misses the immediate promise in Jesus' words. In other words, there and then is the resurrection. Jesus was saying this in verse 23, your brother will rise again. He's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And he wanted Martha to see this, that there and then, standing before her, was the victory of God. Jesus. And we know what happened in the story. What happened was is that Jesus um, talks with Martha and Mary and then he weeps and then he prays and then he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus rises from the dead. And so there is a sense in which Death is overcome before the last day. There is a sense in which life reigns over death before the last day. There is a sense in which death gave up before the last day all because Jesus has come. And because Jesus said, I am the resurrection of the, and the life, and because Jesus showed that he was the resurrection and the life by the raising of Lazarus. But notice Jesus goes even further, showing us this great victory with two parallel statements at the end of verse 25 and beginning of verse 26. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me Though he die, yet shall he live. 
And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. First, it says, those who believe in Christ and die physically will live forever. Life is theirs beyond the grave forever. If you are a Christian this evening and have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you die physically tonight, or if you die in a few hours from now, you will go to be with Jesus. Your spirit will go to heaven. And then in the resurrection at the last day, your spirit will be united to your resurrection body and then you'll be with the Lord forever and ever. All who believe in Christ, though they die physically, they will live forever. But then secondly, at the beginning of verse 26, notice that those who believe in Christ now will in one sense never die. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Yes, in one sense, we Christians will never, ever die. Now how? Well, in two ways. One is that the sting of death is gone. O grave, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? It's been overcome by the resurrection and the life, the victory of God. And now, for you and I as Christians, we might be afraid We might be wondering what's going to happen or how I'm going to die. But when God comes to us and it is our time, we know that we will be given dying grace and we won't have to fear hell. Because in one sense, we're not dying. It's just we're going from this life into the next, even though they put our body in the grave. But secondly, how will we never die? Because we're alive now in Christ. In Christ, we're the resurrection people. We died with him on the cross, and we rose with him at his resurrection through faith. Right now, we enjoy the benefits of the Holy Spirit, the benefits of victory over sin, Right now, we enjoy the benefits of communion with God and access to the throne of God. We have the benefits of the resurrection life now, even though we're not yet in the eternal future. So this is a wonderful thing. In one sense, truly, as I mentioned to you earlier, Death is overcome before the last day in Christ for us. Life reigns over death before the last day in Christ. And death gave up before the last day for us all in the Savior, all in the accomplished work of our Lord. Yes. Let's read again verse 42. I know that you always hear me, Jesus said, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And notice, the man who died came out. His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Here in this event, what joy. Christ is the resurrection and the life. We see that visibly here in this historical account where a man named Lazarus was raised from the dead. In other words, Christ is the death conqueror. There is the death of death 
in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We know that sin birthed death, but where sin abounds, grace superabounds. Here we have Jesus Christ in the death of death, in the death of and resurrection of Christ. All Christians have victory in Christ over the curse of sin, death. In Christ, all Christians have victory in Christ over the wages of sin, death. Over the last enemy, death. Over the agony in hell, death. Eternal separation from God. We as Christians in Christ have victory in Christ over the one who has the power of death, Satan. Over that which separates us from God, sin and death. We have victory in Christ over our guilt, for we are justified and reconciled through Christ's death, so we're no longer guilty. And this is because Christ died and rose again. Christ who said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Christ who said to Lazarus, come forth, has brought forth life for all of his people because in his death, he made the atonement for our sin. He paid the penalty and he rose again. And now when we who believe in him, when we are united to Christ, our sins are paid for. We are God's resurrection people. When we believe that the Father sent him, we become the Father's children in Jesus Christ. And so thus the resurrection of Christ is the gospel. As Sam Albury put it, Jesus' new life shows us the cycle of sin and death has finally been broken. There is new life to be had. Sin has been conquered. It is therefore the resurrection of Jesus and can only be the resurrection of Jesus that assures us of salvation. Only the resurrection proves that our sins have been fully dealt with, that death is no longer our destination, but only a gateway to a perfect, endless life. And so we have joy in Jesus who is the victory of God for us. And so in this joy and in this comfort, Jesus asked you what he asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Has the Holy Spirit given you this faith? On this day, today, where we, uh, the church, are together and where the Lord has given us a new building here at Riverside, on this day where you are going to begin doing new ministry through that new building that's ahead of you, and on this day when all of us here are one day closer to our dying day, one day closer to seeing Jesus in heaven and our loved ones, on this day, on this day in faith, will you respond with verse 27? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Yes, we believe. And so we will see the glory of God. Mar Mary and Martha and the disciples saw Lazarus come out of the tomb at Jesus' command. 
And at the resurrection day, we too will hear Jesus say, come out, because he is the resurrection and the life. But until that day, we even today hear Jesus say, come out, I have given you new life. And so we can serve him in faith, knowing that he is the Christ of God. So today we confess that the Lord is wise and has been wise in taking us through many trials. Why? Why has God even brought COVID-19 to us? Well, for, the sa- for our sakes, he has done this and all our troubles so that we may believe. And believing have life in his name. It's as John Gershner said, you know, if we go through trials and been, been deprived of so many things because of sin, and that brought us to our, our knees like the prodigal son and humbled us and we believed because of God humbling us through that trial and through that trial bringing us to read the scriptures and in the scriptures bringing us to see Christ and we believe, then we will thank God for all eternity for the great gift of faith in Jesus Christ and the trials that brought me to faith. Because it's wonderful to believe. It's life, it's reality, it's truth. And the Lord knows us better than we know ourselves and he knows what's good for us. And so he brings things into our lives so that we may believe and that we may glorify him. And this is comfort. It's comforting. And today also, We celebrate that Jesus is the victory, the resurrection and the life. I mean, this is the day of his reigning. Right now, Jesus is ruling and reigning in heaven at the right hand of the Father. This is the day where Christ is the head of the church. And this is the day when all the church in its resurrection power reigns with Christ. The kingdom of God is marching on because Christ has accomplished his work. And this brings to us joy. So there are exciting days ahead. Not necessarily just because you're going to get a new building, although that is very exciting. Not because you're going to have other more baptisms when people have more children, though that's very exciting. We have wonderful, exciting days ahead, not just because our young people are going off to Redeemer or going off into the ministry. We were talking about that this morning. Young people, young men talking about theology and philosophy. And that's, that's so exciting. You know what's really exciting about the days ahead and all that God will give us to do is that Christ will be with us. And we are his resurrection people. And so whatever God allows us to do for him, he will be with us and endue us with power to do what God wants us to do for him. That's joyful. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly father, we thank you for the comfort that you give to us and the joy that you give to us whenever we read scripture But particularly, we thank you today for giving us the comfort and joy through this wonderful, wonderful truth, this wonderful account where your beloved son 
came to people that he loved and showed showed them his power by raising Lazarus from the dead. We thank you that he knew the exact time and moment that he needed to be there so that people would believe and that he could display who he was and display your glory even in prayer. And also that other people could see the power that he truly is the resurrection and the life. And so we pray that we would take your word to heart, to our minds. May you build us up in the faith. May you help us to understand that the trying of our faith works gold in us. And we have to go through trials all our lives. In one sense, Lord, there are very few times, very few moments that we have peace and rest. When we look back over our lives for those of us who are over, older, we can recognize that there are many hardships. And, and Lord, we can also confess that we should have had more hardships that often we're surprised at how peaceful our life was, knowing who we were, knowing how much we sinned, knowing how much we needed you to temper us and, and shape us and mold us, and yet you were so gracious. And oh Lord, we thank you. And so we pray that we would trust in your wonderful wisdom in our lives and that we would find comfort, that you know what you're going to do with us. And may we also remember the joy that as we live our lives, we live with and serve a risen Savior. And that we, in union with him, are risen with him as well. And we look forward to that final resurrection. But we thank you that we can live the resurrection life even now. So give us this hope, this joy, we pray. Every moment of the day, every day this coming week and in our lives, hear our prayers. Give us grace, O Father, the grace of your Spirit to keep these things in our memory. For Jesus' sake we pray, amen.